Hey everyone, welcome back to Contractor Evolution. This is Benji. Implementing SOPs can be daunting. There's so much going on in your business that needs to be standardized. It's hard to even know where to begin. The other thing, of course, is your business evolves every year. So then you wonder, if I create this, will it be obsolete in a year or two, max? Then the question is, if I did do this, where on earth would I find the space? There's only so many hours in the day. Writing procedures takes time, but also a clear-headedness that we all know is elusive, to say the least. It's no wonder the vast majority of standard operating procedures exist exclusively in the mind of the leader rather than out there in the world where they should be. So my guest on the show today, I'm really excited, uh, is Tom Hughes. He's the author of Improvement Starts With I, and he's the founder of GembaDocs, an SOP building software that, in my opinion, could be a major game changer for any contractor who wants to scale through systems. Through a clever user interface, the use of photos, and other neat features, GembaDocs allows your team, not you, to collaborate and build instructive and detailed SOPs in minutes. Today's conversation is a deep dive into the do's and don'ts of SOP implementation. So we talk about how to foster ownership and buy-in from the team by implementing bottom-up rather than top-down. We talk about why putting SOPs at the point of use is the easiest way to make sure they actually get used instead of collecting dust. And lastly, we talk about how to make the update process easy so that your SOPs grow with your business instead of falling out of date. This is a great episode. I learned a ton. So let's dive in with Tom. You're listening to Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. If you're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability, you've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Tom Hughes, welcome to the Contractor Evolution podcast. I'm really excited to have you. How are you? I'm great. Absolutely great, Benji. Um, you you are in Ireland. You come to us from across the pond, hence the, the beautiful accent. Um, and so being such a like from a foreign land, very exotic, I think that you need to tell our listeners a little bit about you, <laughs> a bit about your story. Um, you, you know, uh, you are becoming a more and more familiar face on this uh, in this space through Gemba Docs. But for for our listeners who've never heard of Gemba Docs, never heard of Tom Hughes, um, I would love if you could just for a few minutes share with us your path till now. Wow, I get to talk about myself. One of my my favorite subjects, only joking. (laughs) I'm a little Irish country boy, grew up on a farm in the middle of nowhere. Uh, But my career, that grew up in the UK automotive industry. So I packed my bags and went to the big city. And I learned all about lean and quality engineering over 10 years. And I was working with all the Japanese companies and a very, very international start. I was really, really fortunate. And after that, I came back to Ireland and I did an MBA. Now, don't shoot me for that because MBAs have such a terrible reputation. I'm not a typical MBA. I'm still a very humble person. I've got a lot to learn. And from there, I went into a lot of senior international positions in large organizations, generally engineering companies and uh, I worked in Germany I speak good German worked in France speak good French 
And, and he did a lot of uh, turnaround and organization transformation work. Uh, probably the pinnacle of that uh, was a management buyout I, that I was part of where we had a business with 16 geographies, uh, geographical units. We grew that business to $200 million and we exited it to Parker Hannafin. And for a while, I was a millionaire. <laughs> it was great. And then I got divorced, so I'm not a millionaire anymore. And I uh, had to put my shoulder back to the wheel. And uh, right. yeah, back at, back to work. And I founded a software development company. I'm now a partner in an electronic engineering company. Uh, I've written a book. And that was about how I've done organization change in different companies. And it's called Improvement Starts With I. And the clue is in the title. That's around creating lean <laughs> cultures. And then finally, uh, lately, about a year ago, just under a year, we released a software product called Gambadocs. And uh, that's been phenomenally successful. Uh, it mm -hmm. uh, helps people document standards or SOPs really fast, really easy, very simple. Anybody can do it. And that in itself makes this so much more useful and so much easier to implement. So we're very proud of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's part of the reason why I'm talking to you today. Um, it's so great. I mean, like building and implementing SOPs is something that I, I think our audience, um, can agree is, you know, often met with a lot of groans and dragging feet and yeah, we know we need to do it, but it's sort of like flossing your teeth. It's like, I know, I know that this is the right thing to do, but I just don't feel like it right this second. And I think that's what's so cool about Gambadocs is it makes it unbelievably easy. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. I'm actually curious to go back to a couple things you just said. Um, can you give us like the, like the, the one sentence or two sentences, like overview on improvement starts with I, what is that book about? What's the philosophy you're trying to convey and where does that come from? The, the philosophy is improvement starts with I, and it's written because most organization change. And in this case, I'm talking about lean fail because of hypocrisy. So what I've observed, and as I mentioned, I've been around for a few years now, 30 odd years, is that when change fails, it's because the people aren't embodying the change that they're asking for. So for example, the amount of times that I've encountered and mentored managers who said, why won't they do X, right? Whether that's good housekeeping, keep their site tidy, whatever the heck it is. And whenever I go, well, are you doing it? <laughs> the answer is invariably the same. Well, no, I'm not, but I never really thought of it like that. So improvement starts with I is, that's the philosophy. You start with yourself. So I came across this concept of two-second lean by Paul Akers, who you've had on the show recently. Mm -hmm. Paul's a really good friend of mine. And I saw people were failing quite often with two-second lean. And I, I wrote that book to help increase the success rate of people trying to make that change. And it's really working. Mm -hmm. It's reached thousands of people already. Mm -hmm. It's being translated into Spanish, Dutch, and Hindi by volunteers at the moment, which is a huge compliment that anybody would take their time to do that for free. So there must be something in there. You've, um, you've released the book for free, haven't you? You've made the book available for free. 100% free, yeah. Improvement starts with i.com. And you can download a PDF. You can download an app called Lean Play that we created for Paul Akers, where my book, Improvement Starts With I, is an audible format. 
there. It's like an Audible clone. And then you can also buy it on Amazon or you can listen to it on Audible on Amazon as well. So, but yeah, primarily free. It's awesome. Um, so today's conversation, we re- I really want to go deep on SOPs, all things SOPs, the do's and don'ts of SOP creation, implementation, follow through and accountability over the long term. It's a big conversation. There's lots to get into. Um, I've got an easy, uh, let's start with an easy one. I always like to give my guests like a real, like just tee up a, a, a nice, a nice home run. Now SOP obviously stands for standard operating procedure, but maybe you could give us like a different version, your own definition, like what, from Tom's perspective, what is an Mm -hmm. SOP and why do they matter? Well, people do get really academic about what an SOP is. Um, I prefer not to be academic. So my definition is a clearly documented and understood and agreed way of carrying out a task. That's, it's, it's that simple. But the three key terms are clearly documented, understood, and agreed. Because if those three things don't happen, you don't have an SOP that's of any use anyway. Mm-hmm. They're like, so clearly documented, understood, and agreed upon. Those are kind of like the three very, very important words uh, in that definition you've just given. And if you think about a business with SOPs or without SOPs, and you think, let's think about our little, in our space here in particular, contractors, one to $10 million a year, some bigger, some smaller, but construction, roofing, painting, landscaping, subtrade, some home service businesses. That's kind of our niche. Mm-hmm. For these types of entrepreneurs and, and these business entities, what, what do you think becomes increasingly difficult without clearly documented understood and agreed upon uh, standards for how to do a task. In other words, SOPs. What becomes increasingly difficult without them? Having a a comfortable, happy life, frankly. (laughs) Because as you scale, as you try to scale in any way, and and you're not personally in control, and you're not standing there watching what's happening, then the inevitable consequence is variation. And when you have SOPs that are clearly documented, understood and agreed, you have a lot less variation. So that would be the, the first thing if, if I was one of your guys, and we have a few contracting customers with Docs already. Uh, that's a, I'm very grateful to have them. And so I can talk with knowledge about that. So what they're doing is they're documenting things like how to install an X. So we have a, a conservatory manufacturer. Is that the right mm. word in American? Sunrooms. Do you have conservatories or sunrooms? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they, these guys have built uh, conservatories for people like Harvard University, so they're at the top end of that. They're shipping mm-hmm. their kit over to the other side of the Atlantic, and they use contractors to install the conservatories. So you can only imagine what's happening if you're not very clear about how that's done, it, both in terms of quality of outcome, cost overruns, time delays, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So... They've implemented SOPs through their entire business, from the manufacturing side through right through to distribution, how they put it on a lorry, how they take it off, <laughs> how they install a window. That's all mm-hmm. done. So that would be the big thing. You're reducing your stress. You're able to scale. That's a mm-hmm. huge bonus for me. Scale and maintain consistency of outcome for your customers and your costs and everything mm-hmm. that goes with that. Then the 
another huge point. Most businesses, I would imagine, in your sector don't have them. I would say that they're running in tribal knowledge is what we call it in lean circles. So you're running with what's in your head or your best people's heads. And that's a real problem when you're, you know, you you want consistency of outcome. As as we mentioned, everybody wants that in their business, whether you're a restaurateur or a contractor. What does that tribal knowledge mean? Exactly what it says on the tin. It's like when you're a tribe out in the Amazon, like they don't write stuff down. (laughs) They pass it on from generation to generation verbally. And you're reliant on how well the people retain that information and take it into practice. So, and if one of them gets like bitten by a snake, (laughs) one of the wrong people, you're going to lose some knowledge. So that's another beauty of your SOP in that when if one of your tribe leaves or God forbid gets hit by a bus or whatever, you've got some retention of the knowledge within your organization. So that should never be the primary motivation, by the way. And, and often it is in engineering circles. And I really have a problem with that personally. So the last part for your benefit side is to reduce your churn. We, we, we mm. say churn in Europe, but you guys say turnover over right. there. So it makes it much easier to integrate new people into your organization when there are clear standards for how things are done. And you and I were joking about this prior to the podcast starting because I was, I was complimenting you on how well you make your requirements clear for the podcast, like it's super professional, other level. And that is a really great example. In a way, it's an SOP mm. because you've prescribed exactly what you're expecting from your guest. And I, as a guest, I, I bought these headphones for you because I knew you wanted a high-level audio. Without an SOP, you get, God forbid, forgive me for saying this, you get clowns coming on here with their (laughs) microphone on the laptop. (laughs) Your poor listeners have to listen to crackles and awful stuff for 40 minutes. And because you took the trouble to put the clarity there, that didn't happen. So it it is not that simple, right? Yeah. The other thing, the other knock-on effect on the, uh, just to tack on to what you said about it, it making it easier to absorb new staff from a recruitment and hiring perspective. I think the thing that becomes available to businesses with strong SOPs in place is a much wider, a much deeper talent pool to select from. There's a very, um, very common situation that you'll see with business owners in this space in particular, in that they're very hamstrung by the fact that they can only, they're only looking for experience labor. If you go, if I go to a conference and I say, what's your biggest challenge? They go experience labor um, time and time again. And it's the experience part that they're glommed onto. I need someone with five years. I need someone with 10 years. I need someone with these tickets or this mm-hmm. education. And I, and I would make the case that those mm-hmm. are nice to haves and it's certainly something that's desirable. But if you're not finding that out there in the world as this you know, this labor shortage increases and and we have this great resignation, lots of macro stuff going on. If you're not finding that experienced labor out there in the world, it becomes your responsibility within your business to solve that another way. And I think SOPs making, uh, making Mm -hmm. it easy for relatively green, relatively inexperienced people to come aboard 
and really uh, add value from uh, from early days, perhaps even day one, because there's SOPs so well yeah. created, is mm-hmm. another kind of tertiary benefit people should mm-hmm. should maybe open their minds up to. So if you're really frustrated with like with with, with the quality of person out there, um, l- l- lower your standards of who, of the person that you're expecting, but raise the standard of SOP that you have to then educate and train and onboard that person with. Does that kind of make sense? Do you agree with that, Tom? A hundred and ten percent. And because of the, my book and sort of my profile in the Lean community, this is the single biggest discussion in Lean, I would say right now. What, what you've just said, right today, mm-hmm. we were having this discussion in one of the big groups. Uh, there was a guy in New York State. He has a business um, that's very bespoke. Every day is different. Every job's different, and I can really see the parallels with what your guys are doing because, you know, using lean as a proxy for SOPs for a moment, and and there are a lot of similarities. It's, oh, lean doesn't apply to us because our situation's different every day. So it's not like manufacturing and so on. Yep, It's it's a very common thing, and it has some truth in it. That's the truth. There, there are big differences. But the, the key thing here is, well, how do I make it easier? So I've got mm. a process that is complicated, and every day my environment is different, so I go to a different job site every day. Mm-hmm. Well, what's our process to prepare for the job site? Is it documented? Does your one crew do it different from another crew? My experience, definitely. Yep. Mm-hmm. So... That's how it applies. Everything is still a process, and it's even more critical that there is a process for where do we lay out our equipment, how do we assess our risks, how do we put the inventory for the job, where does the wood go, where does the gravel go, how do we minimize all the right. excess waste, and so on. How do we leave a site? How do we, what condition are my crews expecting to leave that site? And it's like, like, who hasn't had that experience? If you've ever had yeah. any work done at home, you don't have to be a contractor. If you've had somebody in to fit your carpets, uh, do they take the carpet with them? Do they leave it in a mess <laughs> behind them? Do they clean up, etc.? So back to that expectations clarity. New guy walks through the door and he's not as experienced as you'd like because we still value experience. There's, there's no question about that. But how do things work in my company? So you, because you can say right here, well, just to use an easy example, here's how we leave the job site. This is what we're expected to do. And that's clear there. It's documented, buddy. Have a look at that. That's what we expect. You're going to have a lot less problems with, uh, oh, well, I didn't know that, et cetera, et cetera. And when you bring someone new into your organization, regardless of what your sector is, whenever you're able to go, okay, so you put them on a machine, for example, this is the typical manufacturing thing that I've seen. I call it microwave training. Mm. Do you want to know why I call it microwave training? Why? Because you're doing like three hours in one or two minutes, right? Right. <laughs> right. Right. So they put them on a machine. Some poor guy walks in off the street, put them on the machine. Guys, yeah, hit that button and put it there and take it off. And he runs away. <laughs> right? Poor guy, 10 minutes later, the machine does something he doesn't expect. He's just stressing out. Worse still, he yeah, keeps banging away, hurts himself, makes some scrap product, stressed to heck. And I've literally seen guys walk straight back out the door. So mm-hmm. I call that survival of the, of the fittest. So 
we all wonder why we can't get people and can't keep them. Part mm-hmm. of the problem is, is that we all are exercising survival of the fittest mentality. So only the best and most adaptable people that are like the 2% get to survive. survive. But unless you right. improve your clarity, you can in- increase that margin. And so yeah. you don't need just the 10 years. Maybe the three or four will do. So hopefully I've made that point clear. The other thing I've learned, Tom, is um, uh, we had a mergers and acquisitions guy on months and months ago, and we talked about the things that build value into a business. And I don't know if this is on the radar of most most contractors. I, you know, it, it's definitely on the radar. I don't know if it's a necessarily what they get up and think about every day, but I, I you know, for for people that that want to create a business of value and play around with the idea of exiting it one day, hopefully for a large mm-hmm. sum of money, this SOP thing, this documentation yeah. thing is one of the first things on the list any broker, any buyer is going to look for and they're going to examine it closely. They're not going to gloss over a folder and be like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. you got some SOPs sitting there on the shelf doing nothing. They will go through it with a fine tooth comb to see if they are up to date, to see if they are being followed, to see if they're following best practices and they, they lead to efficient results. Um, this is like... This is like situation mm-hmm. critical for people that want to, uh, like I said, ca- like uh, build something up and cash out one day. So I just think that there's a lot of, pe- like I said mm-hmm. at the outset, like people may groan about the work involved and the time. And yes, I, I get it. But there's there's some really major, major value creation that's happening through this process. 100%. Like I'm doing that myself. One of the things I like about my place in this world is I'm not a consultant. I'm not a coach. I have my own business, face the same challenges that everybody faces, like the, mm-hmm. the one where I'm a partner at the moment, Lumen Electronics, where at the moment we're six people, and last year we'd have been about half a million dollars, and next year we're going to be one million plus dollars with six people, so it makes it a bit more interesting to be in that business, but I don't want to stand in that business every day for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. making sure everything's okay, that's not what I'm built to do. Mm-hmm. So we're going to put the processes in that mean we can step back out of that business. And it's that simple. And if you're not able to do that, the saying, I've, it's not my saying, I don't remember where it comes from. You have a job, but you just happen to own the business you work in. Right. That's right. the truth. If you can't yeah. step out of the business and a business can't do without you, uh, that's the truth of it. And it's very difficult to exit something like that as well because uh, you go away and the business falls apart. We've got three big things I want to dive into. Around, like you have some really, uh, we kind of prepped for this a little bit and unearthed what I think is just absolute gold around like three critical components of SOPs. And we're going to dive into these here in like one minute. But I just, the other thing I wanted to clear up first, we were talking offline. You, in your mind, there's kind of a distinction between two different types of SOPs. I think you call one like a how-to and another one like a, um, a core process. Yeah. Can you unpack the difference between those two for us? I'll start off with the more simple one, the how-to. These are like, how do I mix the fuel for the chainsaw? And it's a new starter. You got the kid in. Hey, Jason, go mix the fuel for the chainsaw. Everybody knows it's half and half or 80-20 or whatever. 
Right. And he can go there and he, can, he knows, all right, without having to go and ask three other people how to do it. So that's a how-to. can be change a printer cartridge, simple tasks that people do infrequently. Mm-hmm. So another one would be at Lumen, how do you ship a box? So we have a guy who ships a box. That's that. We have a person who does that. But he only works part-time. So what if we have to mm-hmm. ship a box at 4 o'clock in the afternoon when he's not here? Even I can do it. <laughs> so I go, I click on the SOP. We have two screens. I watch one SO, watch the SOP and carry out the process. Done. That's a how-to. So the core process, that's more like, wow, these things happen every day. Like, you know, going on to a job site in your world. How do I leave a job site? These are everyday things that people do every day. How do I assemble that product? How do we raise an invoice to a customer? Those kind of things are core processes. And they're much more important than how you approach doing them because Mm -hmm. you have to have real ownership of the people who are doing the task. Otherwise, it's just wallpaper. So, mm-hmm. so they're, they're the two the two distinct examples I would give. How tos are simple tasks. We could maybe say like like important but lower stakes than say core processes, which are a little bit more involved. Probably require a tad more experience and a bit more focus. And I would say are higher mm-hmm. stakes. So it's a good it's a good way to maybe think about. That's right. Yeah, it's a good way to think about th- those two those two levels of it. And a key benefit, because I don't want to leave that subject, the, the reason why the how-tos are so important is they help flow happen. Because when you're in an environment, we call them interruptions. We actually have a waste called interruptions at Lumen. It's like, where's this? How do I do that? People running around, stopping somebody adding value who's in flow mm-hmm. to go and help somebody else. Mm-hmm. To Where's the printer cartridge and how do I change it, etc.? You just stop flow all day. So we want people not to have to ask those simple questions. We want the answer where the question is for that kind of subject. That's the term we use, by the way. Put the answer where the question is. Yeah, yeah. These, I think that ties into this easy to access point, which we're going to dive into in a minute here. Um, one of the uh, just mm-hmm. a quick reminder, guys. There is a there is a link in the description if you want to get a uh, you want to get access to Tom's book. If you want to get a 10% discount on Gemba Docs, you can click that link, check it out. It's kind of a one-page summary of the product. There's also access um, to Improvement Starts With I. So just a quick reminder to, to, to check that out. Um, let's dive into these three critical components, Tom. The three are, just to summarize, in your mind, number one is like the standard. Get it, getting the standard right in the first place is yeah. harder than most people think. So that's sort of step one or component one. The second thing is making your SOPs easy to access. They need to be something that someone can engage with easily, not something that needs to be dug up from underneath a seat or gotten off a shelf, yeah. et cetera. <laughs> And then the third one is there need to be easy to update. They're not these, you know, the only thing that is Uh certain is that your business is going to change uh, probably quicker than you, than you can anticipate. And so if the, if you have this idea that you're going to write it once like the 10 commandments and it's good forever, it's, that is totally, 
totally, yeah. totally false. It's something that needs to be updated and changed and evolving with you and your company all the time. So let's dive into all three. Lisa's. let's dive into all three of these. Let's start with the standard. What are some really common mistakes that you see made when trying to establish the right standards? The first thing I would say is that standards are rare. So good, good standards, while implemented, are extremely rare. Most people don't see the value in them, and they don't bother doing them. Mm. So I think that would be my diagnosis of the sector that, you're, that we're talking to right here. Most people wouldn't have clear standards, certainly not in the way that I described my definition. So, well, why is that? Well, there's two things. There's the, they're not motivated because they don't see the value, and two, traditional ways of doing them were expensive and time-consuming. So people weren't willing to make the investment to get SOPs. So I would say that let's, that's the first thing. And Gambadoc solves a lot of the ease of use and resource issue. And that was the main reason we created it. We'll, we'll get to that in more detail later. But simply put, instead of like a bottleneck engineer or a high manager type person going around documenting other people's standards and taking photographs and emailing them to himself and putting them in PowerPoint or Word or whatever and taking forever. Mm-hmm. Gambadox, get your phone out, take a picture, document each step. It literally takes a few minutes and anybody can do it. And that's the biggest advantage with Gambadox. So that will be the first thing and we've solved that with Gambadox to a large extent. Mm-hmm. The second problem would be ownership of the SOPs. So generally, you got the people doing the work aren't involved to any great extent in how the work's documented. So this takes me back to an old war story from my very first job. I was working for an American company, Rockwell Automotive. Built the space shuttle, but in my case, we were building sunroofs for cars. <laughs> Slight, <laughs> slightly lower division, in other literally words. You, were, the, you weren't on the. Uh, <laughs> hey, come on! It was high tech. It's <laughs> 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 so a lot of tech in a sunroof. Nobody has them anymore. Air conditioning killed us. But we were. I was we're literally still at college, and I was. They employed me to write their ISO procedures. Mm. And when I first started to do that, I would look at the standard. I would sit in my office and write these fancy procedures. Then I would take them out to the guys in the shop. And they would basically, I can't swear too hard on this program, but they would tell me to go somewhere. Let's put it like that and put my procedures where the sun doesn't shine, right? Because what do I know? I haven't even consulted them, right? right? So I learned that lesson hard and early. So what I would do, this is the best I could do at that time. I'd go out and I'd write the standards with the guys. What do you do now? Tell me what you do. I'll write all that down. I'll come into my office and I'll see how do I make it comply to the standard in this case. Then come back out to the guys and go, is this okay? So, yeah, at a very basic level, I learned back then that if the guys doing the job don't feel some ownership, forget it. They literally 
utter wallpaper. I That's a very, very relatable situation, Tom, because I think a lot of business owners listening will have tried to build an SOP at some point or many points. And they spent a weekend, they locked themselves in the office, they strapped themselves to the computer and wrote up some very detailed multi-page um, standard operating procedure for yeah. how to do some core process in their business. And then on Monday, they come back to the office all excited like a kid doing show and tell and they show the team and guess what no one gives a shit and doesn't get followed whatsoever (laughs) because they didn't have any involvement in the build so and i think there's two there's two things here number one is there's like a um there's like, hey, you don't, you haven't earned the right to tell us how to do our job. That's like one part of it. They need to feel involved uh-huh. with the build. The second thing is, I actually suspect there's fairly major blind spots that the owner may have. This is why and we're going to get into this. Why the process needs to be bottom up, yeah. not top down. You in a leadership position or in an mm-hmm. ownership position, I would make the case that you actually don't know as much as you think you know about the core, how the core process. <laughs> happen in your business and as a result you're totally. not as qualified as you mm-hmm. think you are to write these SOPs and that's why this needs to be a grassroots sort of you guys help build yep. this ground up versus I'm going to tell you top down and these are the handcuffs I'm going to latch to you and this is how you have to do things it just exactly. doesn't really work that way and so I think your example of that uh, in, in the automotive industry your example of like you kind of getting you know laughed off the site by the crew I think is a very relatable moment we've all had (laughs) so i had that one at 21 years old so that whole we've solved that problem by accident with gambadox by the way so because we are the the app is so easy to use the mobile app especially for physical processes literally anybody can use it and what we find with our best customer implementation some of our customers have over 500 sops and they're not huge companies Wow. It's organic bottom up. The management isn't telling people to do an SOP. The guys on the that doing the work, oh, we need an SOP for that. Like we have a saying that we try to encourage our customers to know. The first time you do a task should be the hardest time you do a task. So when we at Lumen, when our guys are doing a, a job, they're thinking, well, am I going to have to do this same thing in three months' time? And am I going to have to do all the mental effort to work out how to do it next time? Mm-hmm. And whenever you can get your people to know that they do their own SOPs because they're useful tools, Mm -hmm. not handcuffs. Mm -hmm. And that would be the third thing I would say there that they're sold. They're not sold properly. They're like, Oh, honestly, what I've seen with my own eyes, we need SOPs because if he leaves, we're F right. (laughs) That's not a compelling sales. (laughs) So we need to get what's in his head. Yeah. But that, that's the truth of it. Mm -hmm. So that, if people know that that's your primary motivation, we shouldn't be too shocked that they're not very keen to buy into the whole deal. So we need to be doing it from a good place where the SOPs are perceived as sold as tools and perceived as tools. I think that's a really interesting take you've, we've just stumbled upon because what you hear with SOPs, this is the classic business adage. It's probably been floating around for decades. It's the old, well, what if I or what if he or what if she – gets hit by a bus bit. And you hear that so often, uh-huh. which is like, it's, and I've always been like, that's so morbid. How many people get hit by buses? Like, why does this, why yeah. is this thing used so liberally? Like, 
Do you have had like? Is there like bus drivers that are drinking on the job that I don't know about? Like this just seems like such a <laughs> widespread problem. But you know what I mean. And what you're what you're saying is um, what you're saying is like that is not really that persuasive of an angle because it's essentially saying, hey, if this person gets removed from the business uh, by death or by firing or by quitting, then we need to fill the hole. Yes. And what you're saying is like, forget about the exits. Exactly. Just think about the actual work that needs to be done yeah. for the people that are in the now. business and planning on being yeah. in the business for a while yet. Mm. SOPs make mm-hmm. their life easier, more efficient. They can they can earn more money. They can develop more as leaders. They can they can make a more cohesive team. And so the pitch, when you say you're selling it wrong, what you mean is you're selling the idea of SOP implementation incorrectly to your team by saying, "Well, if so and so got hit by a bus, we'd be screwed." It's like they don't. That is not yeah. a motivating thing at all. And I just think that's a really important sort of correction you've made on this whole this whole perspective. Uh, that the space seems to have on this. Oh, don't want to get hit by a bus. It's like, come on. Well, you know, it's the intention behind it because people know what you're really saying when you describe the bus hitting incident. (laughs) (laughs) They they know damn rightly what they mean is that if you leave or we fire you or you do get in. But yes, they know that. And so I'm a huge believer in just candor. Tell people what we actually want. And if it's with a good intention, nine times out of 10, people want to know. And if it's not, Mm -hmm. people won't. So back to the selling factor in real life, again, with using this kind of thing. So we have a customer, because people look at SOPs and often think manufacturing. One of our biggest and best implementations is an e-commerce company. No physical process, really. So their social media person was, I have a video of it somewhere, she's raving about being able to go on vacation. I can go on vacation and somebody else can take over my roles and I know that I'm not going to be coming back to a huge mountain of undone work because there's a clear standard and I can give it to my colleague and the most important things can still happen while I'm Mm -hmm. away. So, you know, simple stuff like that and in terms of helping people, especially if you're the, the senior people, well, do you really want the kid coming and hassling you about how do I mix the fuel for the chainsaw? Is that adding value to anybody? Does anybody want that? So create a standard. It takes literally five minutes. Create a standard and that'll never happen again. So making life easy is the key thing. And when you make life easy, value flow. Right. And then the thing thing spools up that the whole thing spools up and you have buy-in from the team and actually they're quite motivated and excited to help help you build these standards rather than moaning and groaning that you're making them do extra work. And so I just think that's a really important uh, sort of paradigm shifting conversation we've just had about, about, about going about finding the standard the right way. You, the owner, it's not your job to know absolutely everything in your business. That would be impossible. Utilize the people, the roles that you have right now get them excited, make it easy for them to build standards with you. Mm -hmm. Let's move on. The second thing that you think is really important is these, these things need to be, um, need to be easy to access. And so I'll just maybe set this up. Here's another really common, uh, pain point that entrepreneurs in this space in particular would have felt. I built an SOP and yeah, maybe people were like excited about it on day one, but sooner or later it ended up in a binder on the shelf uh, under the passenger seat in the van or the truck. And 
Um, while there might be yeah. some good stuff in there, it's not getting used. It's not getting read. This is a static and dying document rather than something that is having life breathed into it every day. So what, t- break yeah. down your philosophy on making SOPs easy to access. The first one I touched on earlier is put the answer where the question is. So if I have to go running around trying to find where is that process and in manufacturing the typical example is it's in a folder in a cupboard somewhere and nobody really knows where it is and it's a monument that was built once and nobody looks at it again. So we get over that with Docs with a few different methods. So you can print the thing off the traditional way and lots of our customers do that. The second thing is to just, we have an option where you can print the SOP as a QR code only. And you can put that anywhere. You can put that on a machine. You can put that on a, we, we have people that make catalogs, like the conservative, conservatory people have a few pages of QR codes instead of having like a hundred pages mm-hmm. of SOPs. And that means you can put the question or the answer at the point of use. So back to our chainsaw example again, where wherever the fuel is, you could print the whole thing off or you can just put the QR scan code. Scan it and then it comes up on your phone. Yeah, anybody. You don't need an app or anything. You just scan the QR code. And the beauty with that as well, the way we've designed Gamadocs, that QR code is always the latest version. So you never have to bother about going and printing out again and laminating or plastic sheets or whatever. So people get to trust the right. QR code because it's always late, always the latest version. And that is related to how Q- SOP stop being wallpaper. The big problem with the monument and why the, the guys don't even bother to go, go and look in the folder under the seat is because they're out mm-hmm. of date anyway. So mm-hmm. nobody bothers. So for us, the printing them out, the QR code, you can share these as a, as a URL in Gambadox. So people can put them as shortcuts on their desktop or save them on their phone. And finally, you can view it step by step in the app if you have the app. And we have a lot of customers doing that. We have one customer who's invested in like 30 plus iPads. So all our people have an iPad and these guys do uh, camper conversions, RVs, you guys would call them. And sometimes they're in confined spaces and they want to be able to flick through step by step the SOP. And that's the easiest way they've found to access it. And again, you don't have to worry about making sure it's up to date and all of that stuff because it's always the latest version. That actually comes into the next thing we were going to talk about because they are very heavily related, easy to yeah. update. Because this is all about making them useful is what we could say these two points are about. So if they can't be updated easily, and here's the normal scenario. Let's start with normal, which is dysfunctional. You've got a bu- one guy or two guys is responsible for documenting the SOPs some poor sod, we would say, <laughs> here in Ireland or England. So some poor unfortunate soul is right. the bottleneck. So he's the, the poor guy. Your job is to create the SOPs for the next six months. Exciting stuff. <laughs> but, but after he creates the initial one, then the guy comes and goes, ah, oh, sorry, Dave, uh, we want to, it doesn't happen like that. We need to change it. Dave is swamped. Dave doesn't get to update it. The guys have stopped looking at the silly SOPs because they're all out of date anyway. And the whole thing died. Let me ask you a question about Dave. Let me ask you a question about this Dave character, this this poor bastard who's been assigned to go and do a bunch, bunch of documentation. 
I've been Dave. I know Dave very well. I've so, been Dave. So here's, I actually hear this quite a lot. Um, we're doing business assessments or I, you know, meet people at conferences or, and you hear this, uh, I've heard it so many times. No, we're we're actually we're really excited. We're going to bring someone in. We're going to it's either a third party that they're hiring as a consultant of sorts or they're they're hiring them full time, but they say we're going to bring someone in and they're going to do all of our SOPs. Where that's just all they're going to do full time and like I we mm-hmm. think in a year we can have this whole thing dialed <laughs> in. We, so you've been Dave and you've also been on the other side of Dave. Would you make the case that that is altogether the wrong approach to this? Honestly, I would make the case that it's total utter nonsense. Right. That's what the case I would make. Genuinely, strongly, I would make the case. Because it's the, pro- the problem is ownership. Mm-hmm. You see, when you're a Dave, <laughs> you're a policeman all the time. Because the people who are doing the work have no feeling of ownership, really. And so they don't look at them, don't use them, whatever. And then it turns into the handcuffs and right. you're the cop. And it's just all coercive nonsense and it doesn't add any real value in my opinion. And then Dave can't keep them up to date right. either. And people just get fed up asking Dave. So the whole thing dies a death. I would never advocate that approach. Honestly, strongly, I wouldn't. Um, the Gembadox approach is infinitely better and it's infinitely faster and cheaper and more useful on every level because... When people are documenting their own processes and they have the ownership and they're able to update them easily, therefore, they're going to use them. Oh, we've got a new person coming in. Look at, look at my mm-hmm. SOP. <laughs> and, and you get to trust them and everything. So it's all really mm-hmm. related. And yeah, I've mm-hmm. been to Dave. If My Dave story, I had a factory with 100 plus machines in it and uh, I was doing a turnaround there and I was very much leading the, leading the lean thing and doing it the old way I was may, maybe able to do two SOPs right. a day with taking photos on my phone e- emailing, dropboxing exhaling awful and taking them down to the guys, oh it's no good back up to my office then it's like eventually something goes on the machine right. nobody's ever looking right. at it well, there's there's a bunch of issues there. There's there's number one, number one, the person is this this Dave character that's brought in to do all this. They're not positioned close enough to the work to be able to articulate it well enough to anyone else. So they're they're taking secondhand information from a worker, a crew member, a manager. They're trying to parlay that into a document. Yeah. They're going back saying, "Hey, did I get this right? Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't." There's some sort yes. of feedback loop there, which is inevitably <laughs> slow, and then iteration. By the time they get a V1 or a final draft done, the process that they documented in the first place is now obsolete. And the second thing is people don't really like outsiders. Like, no, I don't know anybody that enjoys someone breathing down their neck being like, hey, how do you do this? How do you do this? Tell me how you do this so I can capture. It's like that. there's just there, I, there's something, uh, I don't know, fundamentally so wrong. I, I see it now. It's so it, it makes more sense when you think about it. I can I can understand the mistake because people just want SOPs done and they want to do it in a hands-off fashion. So what do you do? Throw money at the problem, hire someone to do it. But now that you've explained that, I can see why that's actually quite a misguided way of going about this. A question I have about this, keeping them up to date, 
Um, should should SOP updates be done as a part of like an annual rhythm or is this just like done on the fly um, and like maybe reminded through meetings or other kind of leadership tools? Like what's the best way to make sure that we have some sort of cyclical, rhythmical, like, hey, is everything, is all of our documentation, are all of our standards up to speed right now? I wouldn't be a huge fan of the big systematic annual review type of thing. I, I'm not a fan of that at all. Um, a lot of our customers are practicing some form of lean, but by no means all of them. And, and in that, you've got a daily rhythm of a morning meeting and everybody's very focused and conscious about quality and standards. It's all part of the education process of that kind of culture. So in those businesses, and like my own, for example, where we've got close to 200 SOPs, no, we, we don't have a formal process. Um, the guys are using them all the time. Uh, I, I love it when I'm doing a Gambadox workshop, and it happens all the time. I go in and I, I catch somebody using an SOP. So they're using it for their own benefit. That's the most important thing. Right. You don't have to be a cop when people are using them. Right. Then, and if they can easily update them, they'll update them themselves. So hopefully... Makes sense to you. It does. Like, so I'm just for us. It's not even a question we ask. You're kind of making the case mm-hmm. that this is not something that needs like rigid accountability or some kind of management structure around it. You're saying that when these are implemented and used properly, the uh, the intrinsic motivation for the worker, whether they be on a factory floor, an automotive plant, or building a home, the person doing the work is intrinsically mm-hmm. motivated enough to update the thing because they built it in the first place. So that's like, that's, that's the ownership part. And they're kind of motivated to keep this thing cutting edge. I want it to be state of the art naturally. It's like with this podcast, if you, for example, there's constantly stuff that we're updating and making better. And I don't actually, now that I think of it, I'm not like told to do, I'm not told to do that. I don't have bonuses based on updating the SOPs. I just want to do it because you know, this is like yeah, this is my thing and I want to make it good and I have pride in it. And I just think that's a yeah. very like, yeah, it's at the end of the day. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's fundamental. And, you know, anybody that knows anything about people knows intrinsic motivation is the best way. So when people are self motivated to do job X, and, you know, I, I, what I do with Gambadox, it's a useful tool. When it's a useful tool, you take care of it. If it's not a useful tool, you don't take care of it. <laughs> so it's as simple as that. And uh, that's the education process that you want to take people through. So, like, for example, we've one-man bands using Gambadox. Yeah, right. That's, which is so cool. So nobody's over their shoulder. <laughs> so, totally. So, Totally. Yeah, if you get, they're using it because, oh, dude, um, I might have to change that filter in six months and I don't want to have to go through the whole rigmarole of working out how to do it. So I'll document that with a Gamba doc and I'll stick a little QR code on that machine. So next six months time, I'll know what to do. Life's easier. Let's recap some of the stuff we've talked about. You need to get the standard right in the first place. And word of caution, you as the owner are probably not the right person to do that. You're going to need the help of your team. 
Number two is make sure they're easy to access. Yeah. Set them up at point of use. Uh, the, you, put, you said this so well. Put the answer yeah. where the question is, right? Uh, not in some cupboard like many, yeah. many steps away, a five-minute walk away from the work, from where the work is happening. Not in a remote office away from the job site. Put the answer where the question is. And then the last thing is mm-hmm. they need to be very, very easy to update because your business and your processes are always changing. Um, I, we, we're we're, uh, we're almost at the end here, but I got a couple. I got a couple closing questions for you, mm-hmm. Tom. Um, we've mentioned we have mentioned indirectly Gemba Docs throughout this. Uh, why don't you just tell us about it uh, briefly? Uh, how the platform works and why you created it in the first place? Well, how it happened? We were launching a new product in our business, and my business partner asked me to document the process. You know how to do that. You've been Dave before. So off I went. I hated the idea. Took one for the team. Spent an afternoon with my phone and Excel, and I delivered about a quarter of the process after an afternoon to him. I expected him to go, way, well done, Tom. And he looked at me like, what? How long did it take you to do that? (laughs) And uh, don't you have a software company? So I do. And... We had a prototype of Gemadox in about three weeks from hmm. there. I designed it that day, and we had a prototype that was designed originally just for us. And we showed it to some lean friends, and everybody wanted to buy it. So we built a commercial version. That took us another probably four or five months to get the fully robust commercial version out mm-hmm. there. And yeah, we, we did it initially to fix our own bug, to fix our – this is a pain – we're going to fix that pain and we did it and we're fixing it for the world now. So that's how it happened. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of what's good about it, the simplicity is what's the best thing about Gambadox. Like you can spend 10 times more, actually a lot more on software to do this. And you'll have all the problems we've talked about. Lack of ownership, you turn yourself into a cop. It's complex. You need some consultants to do it. Like Gambadox, cheapest plan is $200 a year mm-hmm. and you give it to your own people and they mm-hmm. do it and anybody can do it. You don't have to be trained. It literally is point and shoot. And then it's got a bunch of other features in there, document control and accessibility and all that stuff. But the simplicity is the best part. And we've made life better for a lot of businesses because their people have a lot less stress now that they've got this in place. So it's cool. I'm so proud of it. But fundamentally, what it's designed to do is 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 help bis, help business owners create SOPs and standards through their team in a very very technological way that uses photos, that uses I'm I'm assuming sort of templates where you can fill in copy and insert steps, and instead of this long drawn out process where you're stuck in an office writing for hours and hours, you snap a couple photos, add a few bullet points, and your SOP is built. It's easy to access and it's easy to easy to update in the future. So, I think it's a really really compelling offer, and it kind of solves a a very very distinct pain point that I think we've uncovered lots today. Uh, in that, just a reminder, guys, if you want to check out Gemba Docs, um, I'm assuming there's a there's a free trial and as as well, there'd be a ten percent discount. That yeah, thirty thirty days free cool. trial, Benji. Yeah. yeah, thirty days free trial, and there's a web version you can use for computer processes, for virtual processes, as well as a mobile app for physical processes. Yeah. So yeah, the, what he got to lose? Go what to gambadocs.com or download the app. Um, Final question, Tom, for, for those, uh, that are listening to this, uh, 
maybe a younger entrepreneur started their business only a couple years ago. They don't have any standards in place, but there's an awareness that they need them. And they're maybe take, they're taking shape. They're beginning to, uh, they're beginning to take form in their mind's eye. Do you have advice for an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur in that situation? Uh, someone setting forth on their SOP building mm-hmm. journey. What would you tell them? I would tell them, first of all, get a good tool like Gamadox because it does change everything, having a nice frictionless tool. And the next point would be start with yourself. It's uh, back to my book title again, Improvement Starts With I. So lead by example, create standards for your own stuff. Do it with your team. That's something we didn't probably talk about enough. Don't do these standards by yourself. Even allowing people to do core processes by themselves is wrong. Do that as a collaborative effort and you'll find you'll get so many improvements when everybody's going, I don't do it like that. I do it like this. Wow, I never thought of that. And you end with what I call a best of SOP and everybody feels so hyped after they've done it. It's like, we've all raised the bar today. So those would be the two things. Get a good tool and start with yourself. Tom, you said it all. I, uh, I've had a ton of fun, obviously, prepping this with you. For got had got, gotten to know each other over a couple of calls. I've gotten to know Gamba Docs, and I, I just really feel I'm, I'm pretty. Uh, I'm a big advocate for this tool because it serves such an explicit and painful need that many many business owners go through. Um, I, I thank you for your time, and I thank you for your contribution to this world. And uh, we will have to have you back in the future. Appreciate it. Oh, I'd be delighted. I've had an absolute ball, Benji. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of Contractor Evolution. Uh, If you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it.